It's time now for today's edition of Community Conversations. It's the interview program in which we dialogue with voices from the Omaha community. And here's your host for Community Conversations. Let's welcome Cammie Carlisle. Good afternoon, and thank you for listening to Radio Talking Book Service. It's time for Community Conversations, and today it's all about the paranormal. From UNO, we have Kyle Finley and Dave Perez in to talk about the paranormal. Welcome. How are you both doing? Doing pretty good. <laughs> good. Well, let's have both of you tell us just a little bit about yourselves and how you got into what you do. And whoever wants to go first, you can go. All right. Um, I'm Kyle Finley. Uh, I've been the president for the UNO MUFON Society at UNO. Uh, we've been looking at UFO cases and stuff in the area for, I don't know, 12, 14 years, I think. It's been, it's been going on quite a while. Um, and then we also do the UNO Paranormal Society, which, uh, same kind of thing, about 12 years. It kind of came out, one came out of the other. And um, so I've been at UNO quite a while. I got my under graduate uh, multidisciplinary degree in uh, native studies computer engineering and information assurance wow. and then just this year i got my master's degree uh in it innovation Jeez, congrats so dave yeah. what about you uh, my name is dave paris i'm the uh, faculty advisor for the paranormal and also consultant for the mufon Nebraska state uh, organization and uh, my background is engineering science, and I'm an adjunct professor at a number of colleges in the local area, including UNO. I teach meteorology, uh, astronomy, physics, geology, geography, and oh. um, well, I'm I'm busy with a lot of things. And plus, I I have um, a company, Quantum Electrodynamics, where we've designed and are working on an active uh, warp drive engine. Wow. You both are very busy men. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. So how did you each get involved in studying the paranormal? Uh, for paranormal, so the, yeah, it started out when I came to college here in 2009. They had a the UFO group was already going. Okay. And Dave was a part of that as long as some other people, you know, Catcher was there. And, you know, so I was going to that for, you know, about a year. And they had a ghost hunt on campus from the MAPS. It was a MAPS ghost hunt metro area paranormal and they were looking at the carolyn evans case on campus and so that we're like, oh, maybe you should check that out you know we do paranormal stuff they're doing paranormal stuff you know maybe there's some crossover and we went to that and there's you know like 30 people 30 students there at that or you know uh event and so we're like oh this might be a good way to connect the students you know to branch out into the paranormal stuff so i think it was the year after that 2010 2011 we started the paranormal society you know, to get more students involved in all of our stuff, you know, at the same time. And so that's kind of how the UFO stuff branched into the paranormal. And over the years, you know, when we started off, we would do a meeting every week for two hours, 10 at noon for UFO <laughs> stuff. And then we would switch to paranormal and go from noon to two for paranormal. So we would do four hours every week on all of these subjects, you know. And so that's kind of how I got started and how I got involved in it anyways. I guess you can... Dave has more past experiences that, you know, he brings to light, you know, a lot of different things, too. Yeah. So I've got opening the door, bringing the refreshments, 
over 10 years of weekends uh, being dedicated on Saturdays, day in, day out, every Saturday for for doing this. So it was it was quite a uh, obligation in many regards, but it was uh, very beneficial with um, a lot of results we've done, um, a lot of field studies, and we've done a lot of um, experiments in the, the meetings themselves. Mm-hmm. And the real bottom line, particularly when it comes to the paranormal, it seems that there is something there mm-hmm. and there appears to be good and evil <laughs> all mixed together. And we seem to pick that up. And a lot of people wonder, you know, what happens when you pass? Right. Well, there may be this interim period or area where you go to and you live uh, in this electromagnetic uh, spiritual arena. And it seems to be a mixed mode because we've had investigations where the people are cooperate. We'll actually have the um, pick them up on our tape recorders and we'll play them back, uh, the EVPs. And it will almost be like you and I talking right now, uh, communicating back and forth as clear as that. And then we'll have some that are kind of garbled and then you can alter speed and and whatnot once you get them into the audio analysis software and you can start to pick out words or sentences. But we've also had instances of hair pulling, backpack pulling, pushing, scratches, visualizations, full full apparitions Mm. on many occasions over the 10-year period of time. And uh, that's always been very fascinating. We had an individual, uh, she was a, a well, still is working there at UNO and was there in the office uh, a late Saturday uh, mid-afternoon and she heard her name called out. Well, there's nobody around. And this was in the old library in the Arts and Science Building, which is very, very active as far mm-hmm. as uh, paranormal activity. And it was Carolyn Evans. Ah. And she appeared to her. Karen turned her head and Suddenly, she saw her in full color. She was floating just a few inches off the floor. She were, she was wearing uh, clothing of the 1955, 1950s environment, the poodle skirt. And she always referred to this as the Peter Pan collar shirts and things yeah. and the hairstyles and that. Uh-huh. And she, But she was in full color, skin tone, the whole bit, and solid as an object not seen through her. She saw her for several seconds, and then she disappeared. I want to jump in real quick. I guess I kind of left this out. The most interesting part about this case, when she saw the apparition, but she didn't know who it was, Uh and then that after we did that MAPS investigation, we're sitting there at the UFO club. We had a Wednesday meetings, too. You know, we just love meetings. So we're doing Wednesday and Saturday meetings (laughs) at that time. But the Wednesday meetings were at the student center. And so we're like, oh, they did this Carolyn Evans event. Let's look into this a little bit more. So we're looking through old newspaper articles and stuff at our UFO meeting. Mm -hmm. And Karen just happened to walk by and look in when we're looking at this old picture. And she just walked in right into our meeting. And she's who is that person? I've seen her before. And that that was Carolyn Evans in the picture that she'd never seen before. And so that's really what sparked all of our interest. You know, we didn't have any say whatsoever in paranormal stuff. We're like, ah, we don't know, ghosts, whatever. That seems beyond coincidental. Right. So we immediately went into and investigate uh, in the arts and science building in the old library area, which had been converted into offices. 
And uh, we started taking pictures outside the building, inside the building. We had uh, all kinds of EVP equipment set up all over the place to try to capture anything and everything. Photographs, infrared cameras. Um, suddenly, the, the club exploded with people. We also did live radio casts of these field investigation. It was like the first time in MAP radio that it would ever had been done. Uh, a live paranormal investigation. The only time. <laughs> and, well, the only time, but <clears throat> we went from just a handful of people to like 30, 40 people suddenly got on the radio and were listening to the program live. And it seemed to resonate um, with a lot of people. It was a lot of fun to, to say the least, but we also got a lot of information because we did get EVPs from what we thought and could have been Carolyn Evans herself. And uh, we've been interpreting the uh, results. We've been looking for her murderer uh, for years. And we've had some suspects. Um, we haven't released that, but the because the police investigation is still open. Yeah. Believe it or not, they, they still have this case open. And it uh, they went through very methodically all all the weapons that were involved, the potential weapon that uh, shot her mm-hmm. and uh, murdered her. And they went through all of the ones that were registered, trying to find a match and never found anything. And there were suspects of uh, former professors. There were uh, former police officers, a lot of uh, taxi cab drivers. There was all kinds of different suspects along the way. Uh, that became apparent to the police, but never formally worked out to anybody being charged. And uh, we actually had a message after several years of investigation where she actually said, please don't uh, do any more investigations. Essentially, the person it will is meeting their fate in, in the near future. She was seen to be at ease with uh, her murderer not being found or exposed and prosecuted that they were going to meet their fate eventually at this point. And she seemed to be good with that. But uh, this is, uh, we're not just talking one or two investigations here. We're talking like on the anniversary of her death, Uh uh, there's usually a a field investigation at the building. Okay. And we try to, with the EPs, the cameras and stuff, try to pick up stuff. And we did find discrepancies in uh, in the reports, such as the building plans. Mm-hmm. where she was reportedly at in the building. Well, they've changed and renovated that building several times right. since the 1950s. And the room numbers have changed. So the plans that we were going off of and discussions of room numbers and things, we actually tracked down and found where the r- original room numbers were located. And we got eventually the, the real uh, layout of the building, the actual building plans. That was neat um, in trying to piece this case together because the outsides of the building mm-hmm. has changed radically. The parking mm-hmm. lot, the stairway, because there used to be a bus stop there. Mm-hmm. And the a lot of the reports were that she was standing down near uh, Dodge Street. Well, that's not true. There was actually a bus stop right at the foot of the east stairway and there was actually a pullout where the bus would uh, pull into an area where the bus would stop and then people could offload in that without blocking the road so anyway one thing led to another and uh, we ended up with other paranormal groups coming in mm-hmm. and then we would go out on field investigations now the restriction for students were in the classroom everything was fine if students okay. went out 
they had to be invited by the other paranormal groups to participate. And therefore, they were independent of the paranormal organization due to liability. The UNO paranormal. The, the, the UNO paranormal. And yeah. I made, I stipulated that. So if they went off campus, on campus investigations, arts and science building is loaded. Believe me, there are hundreds and thousands of uh, entities that are walking around and interact. Uh, like I said, EVPs and, you know, we have a website out there that's got a lot of the stuff posted, uh, imagery. Uh, we have gone out outside of the campus and have gotten some, we call them Casper the Friendly Ghost, picked them up on an infrared camera, uh, thermal infrared camera, which makes this even more credible of going through shelving units and things. A lot of these things have been posted on there. It's a very interesting website of accumulation of all these stories and things that we have uncovered over time. And uh, very interesting. Uh, Even the squirrel cage prison, we actually detected with a a magnometer, has a sensor and a cord on it. And we were able to outline a prisoner who faced us and started to talk. And we even uh, identified a ghost cat, believe it or not. So paranormal doesn't exist just for humans, but there are indications that we detected a cat, the prison cat, who had lived and died in the prison. Wow. Uh, we detected with the magnometer, and we actually had photographs of this um, calico-type cat. And we took the picture and we had it on a self uh, picture and we went to the bulletin board that they had and they had a picture of the cat Whoa. and it matched up the same coloring and everything else the, the you know, the same fur patterns yeah. Yeah. Uh, from the cat. And it, uh, when we were doing our investigation, we were taking a tour of the squirrel cage mm-hmm. and I was uh, walking near the um, uh, picnic table where the prisoners used to eat. And I jumped and this cat had rubbed up against my calf of my leg. Mm-hmm. Now, we have cats here at, at the house. Uh-huh. And um, my wife loves cats. I don't particularly care for them. And they usually will do anything they can to annoy you. And uh, this one probably sensed that I didn't like cats. And uh, it just bumped into my calf like that. It mm-hmm. startled me, to be quite honest sure. with you. And, yeah. and we went back that night. With the equipment, uh, after we took the original tour to plan out our action of how do we, how are we going to tackle this, uh, this whole area? Mm-hmm. And, uh, we got the cat, <laughs> played with it with the magnometer and we, one person would call it over, hold the meter down and it would activate. It would read and we would get measurements. Mine would go zero. And then I would call the cattle and the thing would then activate and we would get readings from it and we'd go back and forth dangling the um, the cable with the sensor on the end of it. And when the other called it over, it'd go to zero. I'd call it back, it'd register. So it was um, quite interesting that even animals seem to have a paranormal presence. And have we seen uh, ghosts? Uh, our family has had numerous experiments, uh, experiences with relatives, mm-hmm. uh, seeing them in full color uh, after they've passed. And um, I've had experiences in, in a rental property uh, where a lady had died actually on the porch of the house, mm-hmm. but haunted the whole house. Oh. And it was, the house was subdivided up into three different apartments. It was mm-hmm. a very large place in the Dundee region. And um, I was in grad school 
And every night between 11 to 3 in the morning, she would annoy me. You could tell she was there. And it was like when I was in bed and going to sleep, it was like she was orbiting around me just to bother me. And um, uh, everybody else had this uh, or even more experiences of moving things, picking mm-hmm. things up. And uh, she was always noted to doing things like that, like, say, jewelry, moving it from here to there. Mm-hmm. So this this lady was very active and I would catch her off the corner of my eye, never mm-hmm. ever see her full full form or anything, yeah. but the actions in that apartment and everybody else's apartment, she would do things. So we were told that if uh, you left something for her for Christmas, that she'd leave you alone. Uh-huh. And um, we put a doily on the Christmas tree uh-huh. and um, we didn't have any more problems with it. Uh, she stayed wow. down in the basement because the, the resident down there liked her and the cat was fond of her, I guess. And uh, she mostly kept to the basement which was quite interesting, but I got rid of her from the top floor. <laughs> I love it. So all it took was a doily. A doily. <laughs> out of there. <laughs> I love that. So you both have had all of these experiences with ghosts. And I just, there's so many questions. So I too have seen ghosts from the side, the side view, never full, never full color. I've never been afraid, but I know you, when we started, you said that there are good and there are evil ones, just like humans, right? So yes. with your ghost experiences, have you encountered more nice than evil or vice versa? Uh, you know, I want to say it's kind of 50-50. Yeah, I would also say that. Yeah. Um, but there is definitely something there. And yeah. uh, whatever you would do, if there are uh, fledgling ghost investigators, never investigate where you live. Leave it alone yeah, right. because you can stir right? up stuff. Uh, we have done saging all over the place for <laughs> a lot of people. That thought, oh, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to start investing, and they wish they never had. Uh, so, okay. if you are living in a facility, leave it alone. If you want to investigate, go outside into other buildings and things that are of known quantity. The ones at UNO seem to be really benign, but when you leave the building and you've done an investigation, you want to either have holy water, sage, or you say a prayer before you go, such as you're not coming home with me because we've actually yeah. had some go home with some of them because they never did that. And, uh, and, they, and they have to sage and get rid of them and things. And there are other students that we've had that have gone out on their own, uh, starting their own group, uh-huh. which was not associated to our paranormal group. I mean, they, they attended the meetings, but they had separated themselves and got themselves in situations where they were scared. I know this is a podcast, but can I say it? They were scared shitless. <laughs> I was um, just going to ask. So when that happened, how do you even overcome that and go back to investigate? The other one did eventually go back and do investigations and seem to handle it. Okay. But one of the things that I noted now, and, and this is a physical thing. They seem to like to tease and torture the female population, the uh, live, active females. For some reason, they like to pull their hair, pull their backpacks, push them, and scratch them and that. And I remember going down this one hallway in an office complex in the old library, and they were getting these real uh, dark feelings because we have a lot of sensitives in the group as well. Mm-hmm. And 
And I said, well, I've had enough of this. You know, they've been scratching you, pulling your hair. I walked down the hallway and I said, look, you either cut it out or when I get over to the opposite side, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> and all of a sudden they disappeared. Oh. And I, you know, and, and, and so what was funny about it is that they could have done anything they wanted, push me down the stairway or done anything, but mm-hmm. somehow I was intimidating enough, uh, that I scared them off. And, and if I was a paranormal, uh, if I was a ghost, I was coming back to be a trickster. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, tell you in your face, you know, I'm not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Right? So yeah. how or, or why? My physical sense or my mental state of I'm going to kick your butt, uh-huh. scare them off. I, I can't explain that. So huh. there seems to be this um, interaction between realities, Let me our dimension this. and their dimension. That was my next question regarding dimensions. So are they on different dimensions? And do we tend to see more ghosts during the day or the night? Or is it any time if you're... Just aware. Well, most people prefer to do ghost hunting at night because okay. it's quieter. Okay. However, actively, electrically, there's more activity during the day. Huh. Uh, the sun produces an awful lot of free electrons that mm-hmm. come into the Earth's atmosphere. And it's a known fact that equatorial propagation of electrons march north at high noon. So we have actually up past 30 degrees north latitude, more electrons in the atmosphere during the day. Thunderstorm activity increases paranormal activity. We've, you know, we have all the various meters, the K2 meters and all this, and uh, divining rods, the, the uh, all types of different electronic equipment, cameras, thermal, everything. The experiences that we have our even daytime investigations yield lots of different information Ooh, versus not interesting. Night. Well, uh, uh, more uh, at night, you might pick up some more subtle noises, footsteps, some voices. But during the day, uh, our EVPs were quite active. We've even uh, built some equipment uh, based off of a Tesla coil. And what we would do is trans actually energize the air with the additional electrons that the Tesla coil makes. We'd set up a receiving antenna, the transmitter, and it was real low activity as far as the Tesla coil goes, but Mm -hmm. we energized the air to such a state that we would pick up more uh, EVPs and activity. Yeah, we used to call we would call it the Paris portal because it could operate on battery power. We didn't have, you know, I could set this up outside, inside Mm -hmm. a classroom, and sensitives would get sick just by the slight increase of the electrostatic nature of the classroom. Uh They would start to take ill, and we would turn it off. You know, the other people wouldn't affect them at all. But Hmm. with some of the sensitives, they would start to to get ill, uh, upset stomachs, and they would have to leave. The room discharged. Wow. (laughs) This is just so amazing. And sadly, we're already out of time. But you're saying that the arts and sciences has tons of ghosts in it, not just Carolyn. That is correct. And actually, World War II veterans, uh, Uh people who fought in the war, come back to UNO. Uh, We've got them recorded. We've got uh, like our own little podcast that we had on the website 
of uh, conversations that we've had up on the third floor of arts and science. And uh, it's been very enlightening. Yeah. Kids. We've had kids on. And we've actually had kids uh, uh, recorded up there too. Uh, I had created this um, in using the building ground. Mm-hmm. I made an, a copper plated antenna and we plugged it into the ground only of the wall socket. The idea was to clear the paranormal activity and run it down into the ground like okay. a like a, a ghost trap. <laughs> sure. And it worked because well we heard the kids on the recording and they were laughing saying this is fun and mm-hmm. they would I know everybody's going to think we're crazy but we have the recordings of this stuff and you can hear the kids in the background they're laughing saying this is fun and they they disappear for a couple of minutes and all of a sudden they go let's do it again and they jump into the ground Go down, go down into the ground and come back. And it was like, what have we tapped into here? Uh, One other thing I've got to tell you. Yeah. uh, And and this is just an aside. We had a sensitive who would go to the Jocelyn Castle to try to set up time so that we could get in there and do a a ghost hunt. Mm -hmm. Well, he came in and he was passing by the, the conservatory and he saw this lady up on the balcony of the conservatory in full dress of a time error, Ooh. which was Violet uh, Jocelyn. And yeah. it's been said that at three to four o'clock in the afternoon, she appears. Wow. He didn't know this. And he had gone downstairs to talk with the uh, manager of the place to schedule some time to set up the cameras and all this type of thing. Mm-hmm. When well, he comes back, he tells me about that. And I am just enamored with Karen's sighting, his sighting. And then when we had one of these uh, annual Carol and Evans uh, field experiments, mm-hmm. uh, investigations, he was looking down the hallway and he said the hallway turned black and white. And he was seeing students from the 1950s clothing crossing on the hallway and like going to class. And he said it lasted for about 15, 20 seconds. And he says, I couldn't believe my eyes that this whole, like a moving picture had enabled down the hallway. And he could definitely tell that it wasn't this time frame, but it was from the past. He's a very believable person. The things that he saw was verified by other people. I, I just find it really fascinating. So there's a kind of this duality of, you know, we talked about dimensional space uh, yeah. before. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that separate d- dimensional space or really is it oscillations of uh, former souls, electrons that have blended into our current dimension, our present day existence and can weave themselves in and out mm-hmm. when they want to and participate mm-hmm. or not participate. But the thing that bothers me the most, which is an ongoing issue with me, is the fact that they can move or alter things. In other words, change position of objects. And if they can do that, there's serious harm that can be done with the unsuspecting human being. And I'm, I'm very resentful that that can occur. And I don't know. Obviously, there's no way to stop it because humans can get injured by these apparitions or by these um, spirits 
however you want to define them, they're out there. And like I said, there are good and there's the evil. Now, is there a transition that hopefully our our education, our doctrine and religion mm-hmm. has stated a heaven and a hell? Right. Is this a kind of a platform where you wait before you're uh, voting on or somehow they review your past before right. you go to yeah. a better plane of existence? Can huh. We want to talk about plane of existence. Maybe it's all in one. I don't know. But I yeah. can tell you after over 10 years of active investigation, I feel comfortable to say to a lot of people without hesitation, there is something on the other side. Now, what does that all entail? How does it look? All that. That's still very questionable, but we still have had a tremendous amount of evidence that supports the fact that there is something there. And it's not mass hysteria. Fascinating. Um, We have physical evidence. This is so fascinating. Dave and Kyle, I could talk to you for hours and perhaps one day I'll swing by UNO and you guys could give me a little tour. I would love that. That'd be cool. I would love it. And Maybe you can come by on one of the anniversaries. That'd be great. Tell us, what's what's your paranormal website so people can go see some of the stuff you talked about? Uh, it should be UNO Paranormal Society. Uh, that's kind of our old website. But okay. uh, right now, if you go to Facebook and do UNO Paranormal Society, that's kind of where we keep all our active stuff at. Well, Dave and Kyle, thank you for taking the time to speak with me. You are both so busy, but this is so fascinating. And I'm just excited. I really do want to come to the Carolyn Nevels and Nevins and see that myself. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. You've been listening to Community Conversations on Radio Talking Book. It's the interview program that brings you voices from the Omaha community. Radio Talking Book Network is brought to you with the cooperation of KIOS-FM in Omaha and statewide through the facilities of NET Radio and Television. We've been proudly serving our blind and visually impaired listeners for 46 years. Thank you for being a loyal Radio Talking Book listener and supporter.